You're listening to Enchanted, a podcast on the history of magic, sorcery, and witchcraft. I'm Corinne Wieben. The imperial court of Han China was a treacherous place for a young woman. The fortunes of women and their families could rise and fall with the capriciousness of the emperor. And the practice of polygamy created a world in which empresses, consorts, and concubines competed fiercely with one another to be the favorite. What might drive an empress to risk her crown and her life by turning to witchcraft, even attempting to cast spells on the emperor himself? The real question is, in her place, wouldn't we do the same? The risks were high for noble women in the Han Dynasty, but so were the rewards. Founded by rebels in 202 BCE after years of war, this second imperial dynasty would reign in China for 400 years. The Han Dynasty saw an era of economic growth and prosperity that provided a foundation for intense cultural and scientific development. The courts of the Han emperors were lavish affairs. And while the emperor might take a wife as empress, he, like other noblemen, was expected to keep concubines as well as wives in order to ensure the plentiful production of heirs. Emperor Jing, whose rule began in 157 BCE, was one of 17 children born to the late Emperor Wen. This custom created both competition and tension among imperial wives and concubines. Being the mother of the emperor's eldest son carried the possibility of promotion to empress. Being the mother of the emperor's favorite son could bring other privileges. It's into this world of fierce competition that Chen Zhao, Emperor Jing's niece, was born. When the time came to arrange a marriage for her, however, her betrothal turned into a scandalous affair. Chen's mother was Princess Guan Tao, the emperor's sister, who was chiefly known for acquiring new women to serve as concubines for her brother. When Princess Guan Tao tried to arrange a betrothal to Liu Rong, the eldest son of Emperor Jing, the boy's mother foiled the plan. His mother, Lady Li, was the emperor's favorite concubine, and the one most often insulted by Princess Guan Tao's attempts to introduce the emperor to new women. She rudely refused the match. Not to be turned aside so easily, Princess Guan Tao then approached another of the emperor's favorite concubines, Wang Ji, and proposed to marry Chen to her son, Liu Che, Emperor Jing's 11th, but by all accounts, favorite son. Wang agreed, and with the aid of this new alliance, the two women plotted against Lady Li, frustrating her plans for advancement. Her endless feuds with Princess Guan Tao and Consort Wang increasingly frustrated Emperor Jing. When courtiers proposed that Lady Li be named Empress, the enraged Emperor Jing put her aside and deposed her son Liu Rong as Crown Prince, exiling him from the capital. 
Li Rong would be arrested two years later for illegally seizing imperial lands and commit suicide in custody. With Liu Rong out of the way, Emperor Jing named the seven-year-old Liu Che crown prince, putting Chen Zhao in position to become empress. However, Emperor Jing initially rejected the union between Liu Che and Chen Zhao due to the difference in their ages, Chen being nearly a decade older than her little cousin. In order to persuade him, Princess Guan Tao decided to play a game during a royal gathering. She carried Prince Liu Che around and asked him if he wanted to marry. She first showed him dozens of female servants, all of whom he refused. The princess then presented Chen Zhao, asking again. Liu Che answered that if he could only marry Chen, he would build her a golden house. The story circulated so widely, it later created a Chinese idiom, hiding Zhao in a golden house which came to mean keeping a mistress instead of a wife. Princess Guantao, of course, had staged the entire affair and used this incident to prove to Emperor Jing that Liu Che and Chen Zhao were fated to marry. The emperor agreed, and the marriage alliance was sealed. Jing died in 141 BCE, and Liu Che was crowned Emperor Wu of Han, several months short of his 16th birthday. Observing the disorder among his nobles and open critiques of his father's reign, the young Emperor Wu sought change and in the first year of his life, launched an ambitious series of economic and political reforms designed to reduce the power of the nobility. However, he was still new in his position. His grandmother, Grand Empress Dowager Do, defeated her grandson's reforms, demonstrating to everyone that she held the real power. To further weaken Emperor Wu's rule, his fellow reformers were severely punished. Two of his strongest supporters were stripped of their positions, and his mentors and teachers were arrested, imprisoned, and forced to commit ritual suicide. Stripped of his allies and all semblance of power, the 16-year-old Emperor Wu began to receive reports of conspiracies to have him removed from the throne. Years into her marriage to Emperor Wu, Empress Chen still had not borne him any children. Desperate to secure her position, Empress Chen prohibited Emperor Wu from taking any concubines. However, this gave fuel to his enemies. The inability to continue his bloodline became a key argument for his removal. Dowager Do and other conspirators often suggested that Emperor Wu's uncle, Liu An, king of Wainan, would make a much more suitable replacement. To save her son-in-law's reign, Princess Guantao served as mediator, attempting to repair the relationship between her nephew and son-in-law, Emperor Wu, and her mother, Dowager Do. In exchange for her mother's support, Princess Guantao made a series of onerous demands on the emperor, 
The humiliation of these demands coupled with Chen's infertility irritated him beyond endurance. His mother, Empress Dowager Wang Ji, advised patience, telling her son to bide his time. After all, she told him, Empress Dowager Do was an old woman in her decline. He had time on his side. Every year that the emperor spent waiting for his grandmother to die must have galled him. He was forced to pretend he had given up on his title and any political ambitions in favor of hedonistic pursuits. He spent his days hunting, carousing, and deferring to the dowagers, while secretly building a network of supporters. In 139 BCE, Emperor Wu visited his sister during a spring ceremonial ritual. His sister, Princess Pingyang, had begun to mimic Princess Guantao's machinations and had assembled a variety of potential concubines for the emperor. He engaged with the beauties, but was unconvinced. So the princess called in dancers to entertain him. It's then that the emperor set eyes on a singer named Wei Zifu. He gifted a thousand gold pieces to Princess Pingyang, who in exchange offered Wei Zifu to her brother as a gift. In order to appease his wife, Emperor Wu hid Wei Zifu among the maids in the palace. The woman who had reached tremendous heights as an artist had lost the status she had in Princess Pingyang's court. Constantly under pressure from Empress Chen, Emperor Wu ignored Wei Zifu for over a year. Saddened, she attempted to escape the palace by hiding in a group of maids that were being expelled. Her attempt failed. But Emperor Wu realized the toll his neglect was taking on his beloved mistress. His love for her grew, and Wei Zifu soon fell pregnant. Emperor Wu had many reasons to rejoice. Not only was his beloved mistress going to give him a child, but her pregnancy also cleared him of any rumors of infertility. This pregnancy secured Wei Zifu as the emperor's most prized concubine and put Empress Chen in a precarious position. This enraged Empress Chen, but there was no recourse for her. Emperor Wu held Wei Zifu under his protection. The furious Princess Guantao sought revenge by sending men to kidnap and kill Zifu's brother, Wei Qing. The plot failed. Wei Qing's friends rescued him and reported the attempt to Emperor Wu. At Wei Zifu's prompting, Emperor Wu retaliated by promoting her from concubine to consort. Only Empress Chen stood in the way of the emperor naming Consort Wei his new empress. To further please his new consort and to punish Empress Chen, Emperor Wu offered handsome promotions to Wei Qing and everyone who participated in his rescue. For the next decade, consort Wei Zifu became Emperor Wu's favorite, giving birth to three daughters. The still childless Empress Chen, neglected and bitter, tried in vain to regain his attention by threatening suicide several times. It backfired. She then turned to her mother, Princess Guantao. As always, Guantao was quick to attack her daughter's enemies. She accused Princess Pingyang of sabotaging the marriage by gifting Wei Zifu to the emperor. Princess Pingyang merely shrugged. 
Empress Chen was incapable of giving the emperor an heir, and emperors need sons to succeed them. There was only one clear solution. Empress Chen needed to give the emperor a son. The sooner, the better. She turned to dubious potions, charms, and cures for fertility, all to no avail. Of course, even if she were able to cure her infertility, she had another problem. Emperor Wu had not visited her palace since the attempt on Wei Qing's life. Unless she could convince the emperor to visit her again, any cure would be useless. The crucial pregnancy that would bring the emperor back to her and secure her position as empress seemed impossible. Chen turned to the only thing she thought could help her save her marriage and her position, the occult. A sorceress named Chu Fu approached the empress, offering her love spells to bring Emperor Wu back to her and curses to shrivel the beauty and fertility of Consort Wei. What else could the empress do? She put herself in the hands of Chu Fu, doing whatever was asked of her. Sorcery in Han China consisted largely of sympathetic magic, in which one object was made to stand in for another. Han Chinese cosmology understood the material world, time and space, living creatures and inanimate objects, natural and human law, as deeply correlated. These correlations form the basis of sympathetic magic. Like affects like. Among the five elements, the element of fire, for example, shared associations with the season of summer, the direction of south, the number seven, bitter flavors, feathered creatures, the sense of taste, the lungs, and the emotion of joy, among other things. To summon fire, a practitioner then might face south and use feathers, their breath, or objects or movements in multiples of seven to invoke the element. To curse consort Wei, Chu Fu and Empress Chen used potions and tormented a doll that closely resembled her. Rekindling the Emperor's desire for his Empress was a different matter. Something or someone would have to stand in for the Emperor. That someone was Chu Fu. The sorceress reportedly dressed as a man, and according to later accusations, she lay with the Empress like husband and wife. In taking such extreme measures, Empress Chen risked more than her title. The Han laws made witchcraft a capital offense, and the crime was even graver if it involved the nobility. At last, Empress Chen and Chu Fu were discovered, and the emperor was informed of their attempts to ensnare him and curse Consort Wei. Enraged, Emperor Wu assigned an infamous prosecutor to crack down on the practice of witchcraft throughout the empire. Chu Fu was arrested and executed, along with several hundred other accused witches. Emperor Wu issued a decree deposing Empress Chen. The emperor granted Chen her life, but exiled her to Longgate Palace, a household once gifted to the emperor by Princess Wan Tao in exchange for overlooking her private scandals. 
he assured Guantao that Chen Zhao would be provided for in her exile. After her daughter's disgrace, Princess Guantao lost the source of her leverage in the imperial court. After her ongoing affair with her 18-year-old godson was discovered, Emperor Wu used the scandal to remove the last of Princess Guantao's power. After Guantao's death in 116 BCE, a legal dispute broke out between Chen's brothers. In response, the court leveled scandalous sexual charges against them. Both were stripped of their titles, and both committed suicide in prison. The family was all but erased from public knowledge. In a last desperate bid to regain the emperor's sympathy, if not his love for her, the deposed Empress Chen hired the famous poet Sima Zhang Gru to compose a song, The Ode of Longgate. Some scholars claim that Emperor Wu was so moved by the song that he reconciled with his deposed empress, but this appears to be nothing more than romantic fantasy. Records show that Emperor Wu compensated the poet for his work, but Chen Zhao never regained his favor. Two years after the removal of Empress Chen, Consort Wei gave birth to a son, Liu Zhu. The emperor made Wei Zifu his new empress. In 122 BCE, Emperor Wu named Liu Zhu his crown prince, ending any hopes the deposed Empress Chen might have had of returning to power. She would spend the rest of her life in Longgate Palace. drive Chen Zhao to risk her life and everything she had gained by resorting to witchcraft? The answer is, of course, desperation to regain the emperor's favor. The world of elite Han China was one that forced women to compete with one another for the emperor's affections. Their families depended on them to gain and keep the emperor's love in order to sustain their positions. Many women, like the dowager empresses and princesses, knew how to use their influence to real effect, manipulating events to serve their interests and even undermining the emperor's authority. For young women who depended on their charms to attract the emperor, demonstrating their beauty, charm, and fertility was essential. The real problem emerged when the emperor's favor was won or lost due to factors beyond the control of any woman. When Chen Zhao, nearly a decade older than her husband, proved to be infertile, she stood little chance of retaining power. She could not make herself useful to the emperor in the way he required. We shouldn't be shocked then that she turned to witchcraft. When all else was lost, magic offered a glimmer of hope, restoring a sense of control to those who were otherwise powerless. After the deposition of Empress Chen, Empress Wei Zifu and her family earned such success that later emperors took wives and consorts with a family named Wei to ensure them the same good fortune. Her end was not a happy one, however. When her son by the emperor Liu Zhu was nearly 40 years old, rumors began to circulate that the emperor wanted to replace him as crown prince with a son born to one of his younger concubines. Conspirators took advantage of the family's momentary political weakness 
and launched a series of accusations of witchcraft against Empress Wei and her family. The eventual death toll included Empress Wei's brother-in-law and his son, Liu Zhu's sisters, Princesses Zhu Zhi and Yang Shi, and Wei Qing's eldest son. In retaliation for these witch hunts, Liu Zhu armed himself, arrested, and executed all but one of the lead conspirators. The survivor fled to the emperor and told him that his son was in open rebellion against him. Emperor Wu sent the Han army against his son. Officials were sent to Empress Wei to seize her seal, the sign of her imperial power. Rather than submit to humiliation, she committed suicide. Liu Zhu was eventually tracked down but killed himself before he could be captured. Even Wei Zifu, the emperor's favorite, fell to rumors and political intrigue in the end, and most of her family fell with her. Not long after her death, in 91 BCE, Emperor Wu realized that the witchcraft accusations had been false. He rehabilitated the reputations and status of his late Empress Wei and Liu Zhu, and, in an expression of regret, built two monuments, the Palace of Sun Grieving and the Platform of Longing for Return. A contemporary folk song celebrated the memory of Empress Wei by declaring, Nothing to be happy if you bore a son. Nothing to be angry if you bore a daughter. Don't you see? Wei Zifu dominates the world. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review Enchanted on Apple Podcasts and help spread the word. You can subscribe to Enchanted wherever you listen and never miss a new episode. This week's episode was produced by Thomas Ignatius and me with original music by Purple Planet. You can find them at purple-planet.com. You can get in touch with us via email at enchantedpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Enchanted Podcast and on Twitter at EnchantedPod. To learn more about the show or to become a supporter, please visit EnchantedPodcast.net. I'm Corinne Wieben. Thank you for listening and stay enchanted. <laughs>